0: Hello. Hello, Merlin. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for abiding my late tardiness today. I appreciate it. No one needs to know that. I know. No one knows.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's
0: okay. <coughs>
1: but here. I am. How are you? Hmm? Yeah. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. 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 I am closing windows. I'm clicking, and uh, I'm here. I made, I made myself a coffee. Oh, good. And what kind? Uh, I got my bell. It's uh, Intelligentsia, whatever the Intelligentsia espresso is. Intelligentsia. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. had a nice uh, had a nice bloom. Oh, did it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I get the regular coffees, I don't get so much of a bloom. They call it a bloom. That's when Ooh. you get that little like a little froth. That means I, I'm told that means it's been uh, fairly recently roasted.
0: Oh, that's fresh. Don't
1: then. don't email me. Okay, I won't. I don't, I don't. need a well actually on my coffee. No, you can email me anytime. Okay. You know, you you know all my uh, all my digits, as they say. <laughs> you can you can get at you can get at me anytime. You can at me. <laughs> I want to get I want to get at
0: you. You can slide May, into my I DMs. You, I need you to make yourself available to me. Yeah, <laughs> physically, <laughs> yes. emotionally, all everything you got. Like you name something, physically. and I want I want
1: it. I like to think I'm always physically available to you. Yeah. Yeah, have you seen the Japanese thing where you can kiss somebody through your phone? No, it
0: doesn't look very
1: sanitary. There's a dingus you put on your phone. that's like a rubbery thing, and then somebody on the oh, other yeah, end.
0: No, I did see that.
1: Yeah, yeah, but like you know, like what if you like hit it with a pencil or something? Like you know, can you can you harm somebody with that? Can you have can you have lip malware? Oh my god, that's the the lesser known. Uh, Partner of uh, Ty Lambo. I, I was uh, <laughs> watching my YouTube bread, as I like to call it. I was watching my YouTube bread last night and looking at my suggestions, and I saw that one channel that was suggested was called Knowledge, and I thought, hmm, I do watch a lot of like, yeah, you know, I've started watching more like, you know, how to be smart videos. Yeah, I've started uh, watching. Uh, uh, I don't know how, how to say his name, Brady from Hello Internet. I started watching his um, channel Number File, which is really great. And uh, so it's been suggesting lots of like, hey, you obviously like want to be a smart person channel. So I say, sure, I want to be a smart person, I'm not made of stone. I click down into the knowledge channel and guess, guess what the first video was. What? It has 60, mil, six, something like 60 million views. It's Ty Lambo oh, no, in his garage. Oh, no, with
0: There's that one books. with the Lambo behind him in the books? Yes. Yeah, you know,
1: I, I had only ever seen the, the crunked up version of that where somebody did all that wacky editing. I'd never seen the original. I had no idea how bananas the original was. I mean, I could guess, but I sat and watched it, and it was uh, it was really hypnotic. So it's now that absolutely, I'm my,
0: absolutely intoxicating.
1: It's and I like, guess that's his whole channel his, his whole thing is knowledge. Because the thing the thing that he
0: really <laughs> is most excited
1: about is not his Lamborghini up in the hills. What he's excited about is these bookshelves that no, he had installed, right? For all these books that he bought, the the spine of uh, none of which appears to be cracked. Anyway, I'm sure there's been lots of uh, forensic uh, study of of the books on his Lambo shelves. He's a very interesting guy. So, so I guess there's a whole channel. Maybe I should, you know, I should explore it more. I saw things about knowledge, consciousness, Lambos. That's so weird. And his garage—it looks like a totally like a suburban garage.
0: I've heard all kinds of things, like maybe he he rents the house. He rented the house. It's not really his, in, in the sense of when you say this is my house, that somehow because he's renting that house, it's not as authentic. And because the Lam- Lambo maybe is a, a leased vehicle that it's not as authentic. And I
1: don't oh, know. Oh, well, you know, you got to have side hustle. And you know, and, and shame <laughs> on people, shame right. on people who look down on people who don't own houses. That, that's such a weird thing. Oh, you rent. Oh, well, that's because that.
0: it's because the big thing in the 1950s where everything was pushed toward home ownership to boost uh, everything. And I don't, I remember when, when we had the housing bubble and I was living down in Florida and we were moving from Florida to Texas, we were, it was just the upswing had was just starting to happen. And we lost a bunch of money on our house in Florida. And it, I remembered sitting down one day and doing the math and realizing we would have, how much we would have saved if we'd rented an even nicer home. You know, and, and, uh, and I think that's still true for a lot of people that buying is not the answer in Europe. I don't think anyone owns anything. Mm -mm. I'm socialists over there. Yeah. You can't own. Yeah. There's some kinds of math
1: you probably shouldn't do. Um, it's not a good kind of math. It doesn't make you feel good, you know, to, to check your decisions. Yeah. I don't (laughs) know. I don't know. He seems like a very interesting character. You know what? Shame on me. I will go back and watch some more videos about knowledge. But And, I, you know, I still haven't watched his TEDx talk. So, Oh, he did a TEDx talk? He mentions it in the video. Mm, got, it's been a while since I a saw TEDx talk. No, he's had, he had mentor, and he had another mentor, and he had another mentor. Right. And he's got three big ideas. So I don't even know what the big ideas are. All I know is he's got a sweet Lambo. Ty Lambo is his name. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. You know, I'm going to look him up. Ty Lambo. Okay.
0: And what can I learn about him? Oh, here's his official site. Apparently you okay. need to pay to get access to the the three things or whatever it is like he'll tell oh. you he'll lead up and build oh, those things up but when you actually want to find out what the the thing is now i i have some tech news
1: well i just want to cover this uh he's from from broke to okay. beverly hills
0: okay he yeah 47 dollars right?
1: for uh i don't know He had 47 dollars in, in his bank account and now he lives in beverly hills and when you sign up for his form you, there's a uh, some radio buttons what is your biggest frustration i don't make enough money i wish i could be healthier It's hard for me to make friends. I haven't been happy for a while. All or several of the above. Hmm. And it's optional to give him your phone number. I'm going to say go ahead and exercise the option to not (laughs) give Ty Lambo your phone number. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't don't, know. You know, hmm. Oh, oh, so here you go. So by submitting, you'll receive my three complimentary bonus gifts. Well, if they're complimentary, how can they be bonus gifts? Anyway, my KSC mind map to the good life. A transcript of this presentation, my five-day course on how I went from broke to living in Beverly Hills. Valuable techniques to overcome frustrating challenges. Dan, oh. this is right in your wheelhouse. you no, a topic for today. I know. So anyway, uh, it says here his TEDx talk has uh, had 6 million plus views. That's
0: a lot Didn't get views. invited
1: to the big tech, that, uh, Ted, though. He's a little Ted. Better than no Ted. Yeah, I suppose so. I don't really quite understand how that whole franchise works. It, it made more sense to me when it was that elitist thing that people would go to and Cameron Diaz would ask questions. Right it's a little confusing to me. And I've seen a lot of, my daughter has told me TED Talks are boring. I don't think she's right. I think there are some very, very good TED Talks. Um, obviously, The Apollo one about Robbins, the paper towels is my favorite. How to use a paper towel, that's a, that's a very good one.
0: I'll put that in the show notes. How to use a paper
1: towel. Who's the play guy? Stuart Brown, is that his name? His TED Talk is really good. Um, Yeah. We should do a show on TED Talks.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, TEDx. Boy, that's a black guy, Ted X. Really have that like a Denny's? Like is it is it like Toastmasters? Can anybody show up?
0: Uh. <laughs> I always think of Chuck Garrobedian. I always Remember thought. Chuck of like, no. My Simpsons the name. go to the Where's that coming
1: Chuck Garabedian. He knows five ways to get out of the parking lot that those Wall Street fat cats don't want you to know. Oh. Um. Remember the the like how to how to make and save money guy from The Simpsons?
0: Yes. What about Chuck Garobedian? Uh, you, you were going to say. I was going to say. I, I have a little bit of tech news uh, for for the listeners. Digga, 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 tech news. Something that we have wanted for a long time is uh, we wanted to speak uh, a key, different keywords to our Amazon listening devices. Our Amazon. Oh things. yeah, this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And if if uh, I know how big of a you're almost as big of a Star Trek fan as I am. Right and, now, you can.
1: It defaults to Alexa.
0: Yes. The, the second exam. one you've been able to choose from the pull down is
1: ECHO. Right. And they've just introduced a, a funny new one. Which I'm going to say
0: because I mm-hmm. think that no one has said it yet. Computer. Proving, the
1: point, proving the point that I will be making after you say it. Sorry, okay. go ahead. It,
0: it's computer. Uh, you can now set it to be computer, which is what uh, all of our favorite captains from all of our favorite Star Treks would say when addressing the computer. They would say, Computer, do do this or ask it a question. You can now address your amazon device with the word computer and it will respond and that that makes me happy in for a, a variety of reasons but what what were you going to say about it
1: well i poor i'm so not the first person to mention this what a terrible trigger word or launch word or whatever hailing word oh my goodness uh i mean isn't that a word
0: that people find themselves using fairly often for you know to mean other things. How are they going to differentiate? How would the device differentiate from when I'm just saying, "Hey, uh, did you uh, remember to shut down the computer before you left?" Versus mine Hello, goes computer. off when
1: I, mine goes off when it hears the word election.
0: <laughs> oh God! <laughs> and
1: if you ever wonder about this, if you ever, oh, it's spying on you. Here's how it's spying on you. Go to Alexa. Oh, sorry, Alexa, stop. You go to Alexa. Dot oh, A L <laughs> E X A. Dot Amazon dot com and you go to where is it settings maybe Which there's an area called history i think
0: oh in the in and the app it, right the app the app will show you yeah it'll show you it'll show you um real funny if what, you get one of those for for home and you can see what your kids are asking it all day that's fun
1: oh my god it's just it's so funny most of it is me yelling dingus stop <laughs> here's something. So what happens is if, you're, if your lady in the tube gets triggered. Hmm. I like hmm. that. Mm. Lady in the tube. <laughs> you may laugh and you may snigger. But your lady in the tube has a trigger. Is a secret. It's a secret. <laughs> uh, so you go in. Lots of these make sense. You got like, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm a power user. So I know how to say things like volume eight or volume two. I know how to say play KQED, turn off the lounge lights. But there's some pretty random ones because it gets triggered. Add listen. Oh, no, no, that was a real one. Add listen to They Might Be Giants more to my task list. I did ask for that because I want to do that. Then I can watch a video on Do You Have a Things On here? Is one that I picked up on Saturday (laughs) afternoon. Turn on the meeting. Mm Mm-hmm. When does the fork go on the sat? <laughs> when does the fork go on the sat? Now, I wonder what I said that triggered that. Let's hear.
0: Huh. Is there a recording of, of you asking something?
1: Oh, my wife said something and probably accidentally hailed and it, it interpreted it as when does the fork go on the sat? There's a the title.
0: When, uh, when you're asking at these things, is it responding and then you tell it to stop? Or or are you just ignoring it all the time, typically?
1: I'll out myself and say that we are a multiple uh, LadyTube family. So we have have a few of them because they had a discount where if you bought a bunch of them, they were really cheap for the dots. So we have them all throughout the house. And sometimes it's pretty good. It's pretty good about knowing which one you want to be talking to and have doing things. But given that it sometimes does hear things and start doing things, sometimes I feel like an insane person because i'll hear like easy listening music and i'll be like where, "Where, where is that coming from why is our refrigerator playing Montavani?" and i'll go in there and it's just happily playing away something that it thought i asked for um what was your
0: question oh I, I think i was just wondering if uh if you're getting a lot of when you get these accidental pickups these accidental hailings
1: yeah
0: or do you just ignore it and let it go or do you tell it stop right away
1: no, no, As soon as, I, if I notice it and I see the ring turning, I'll yell, dinga, stop. Um, but, uh, you know, all of that said, I still think this thing's, um, number one, I think it's amazing. And number two, I think it is still um, pretty far ahead of the game compared to others, as far as I can tell.
0: Do you know anyone with the with the Google one?
1: Yeah, yeah, I've heard lots of people talk about it on podcasts. It sounds like, sticking here, I think it was Dan Moran talked about this. It sounds like it is a a serious, comp- <clears throat> So, here I think the bottom line is this, like in terms of advice for people who have like an okay amount of interest in this, which one should you should get? Well, if you're heavily involved in the Google ecosystem, the home may be better for you, but the conventional wisdom at this point right now seems to be that um the echo is it does the most, it's evolving the quickest. I mean, you've seen this probably every Friday afternoon, I get an email telling me about new stuff that does some sometimes very silly stuff. It'll be like, you know, related to the Super Bowl or something. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess what I've heard is that the the, the home one, it looks better to most people's eyes, um, that it does, a, that it does a, like a, a good job with stuff. But, you know, the truth is, if you hook up uh, the Lady in the Tube to your account, it can like, you know, change calendar events for you and stuff like that and add calendar events. As far as the hailing, it's. It is fun and cute and I, I'm not trying to be too disparaging here because having, saying the the C word hmm, to trigger it is, that's is, a cute idea, but <laughs> I would rather see them go in another direction, which is here's an array of five words that are very unusual, that are short and easy to say and don't get confused with other words. You know, they're scientists, they can go out and find out what these things are. But like if I could yell Methuselah or maybe something shorter right. and have it know what I want or, you know, Isaiah or whatever, something that I don't say very often doesn't sound you know like another word that's what that's what i would find really
0: useful well my my big question is why don't they let you set the word why hmm. why do they make it so that you must use one of their predefined words why can't you just create your your own if i want to name it you know bill why can't I just name it Bill and I can shout Bill and it's answers, you know, or, or some yeah. even... So I don't understand why. Is it just that they've spent time coding software to really accurately identify that particular word?
1: I bet that's got to be part of it. Think about you putting out a... A new product, service, website—you know—you don't want to come come out in your 1.0 release with a million configuration things that are going to complicate figuring out what went wrong. If nothing else, I bet there's a customer support component of you know, well, are you correctly saying these one of these two words that it understands? You know, it's—I I imagine that has to be some part of it. Yeah. And you know, the what's the correct word for? It? Is it trigger word? But like whatever the thing that hails the dingus, like that is a very important thing to have work in the way that you expect first, right. You know, both in terms, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but I mean, for one thing, in order to like get somebody's confidence in a way that Siri initially did not, you want that thing to be super perky and be tuned in whatever way it's tuned to like very quickly responding to like a certain word. And, um, and that way you also, I guess, minimize the number of times that, you know, you named it after grandpa and now it gets confused when you mention grandpa. I don't know. I don't know. I still think it's. I still think it's super interesting, and I do think it is young. But like, I think you already see that this is between like. It's interesting. Like, who would have guessed a few years ago that touchscreens and things having to do with voice would be the kind of things that we're just using all the time? Right. You know. I yeah. mean, obviously, the iPhone's been out for a while, but we talked about this on due By Friday. I was talking about the first touchscreens I remember using a lot. I feel like around the same time were the Chumby and my GPS, my
0: uh, Garmin GPS. Yeah, that was the first oh. one for me—the TomTom or the Garmin. I mean, I I never had a Chumby. Those things looked awesome.
1: They were really cool, but they was it a capacitive screen? Is that what it's called? But whatever it was, like you had to really mash on the screen in the right place and really hard to get it to go. I mean, when we when we go back and we watch Steve's keynote for the iPhone launch, you know, there's so many things where it's it's hard. It might be difficult given how many hours we use these things each day. There's so many things that he introduced that day that were nobody would ever seen anything like it. Like the, you know, but the, the one that really grabbed me when I, I rewatched it a week or so ago, a couple times, one that really grabbed me was when he first demonstrates scrolling in the music app, in the iPod. I guess it was called app. But like, this is your list of songs. Now watch. Swoosh. And the way that it just flies through that list and then, like, it responds. And something Gruber and I used to talk about, like, when you first got an iPhone, you might spend, like, five minutes at a time just doing that thing with the rubber band thing where you just pull down on the <laughs> right, top to and watch it bounce. Yeah, yep. Because that is not what it was like to use a GPS. That right. was not what it was like to use a chumby.
0: Right, it actually, the screen responded to your movements, to the way that you moved and what you did, and as opposed to sort of feeling, and you, you said mashing, that's what it felt like. My car has some stupid oh it's the worst it has some stupid screen where it's the same as your your Chumby or your tom tom where you've really you've got to press down the benefit to that is like you could do it with you know a pencil or your a glove on or whatever but it just it's it, it you don't feel like you're actually interacting with the device directly whereas with the iphone from day one you were manipulating the pixels. You know, you were you were in there. It was there was that connection. There was no lag. There was no delay, and that was beyond innovative at at the time. We were so used to that old style.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And now we're at a point where we can talk to our device and say where we want to go, and we don't even have to interact with the screen. Mostly, I mean, it'll do most of the heavy. Li- it knows that like when you ask for this thing, that means you want to drive to that place. So you know, that's. My gosh, it's just so incredible. I'll tell you a crazy thing that happened the other day. Um, long story short, I um, my very, very old MacBook Air was being pokey, even for the MacBook Air. So I restarted, did Command S, and I said something. I, I don't want John Syracuse to hear this quote, but I said to my wife, hey, you want to see what the computer really looks like? So it comes up in single user mode, and, and it looks like the Matrix. And she was like, whoa. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, see, now watch. Now I type these letters, I'm going to F-S-C-K-F-Y. And now what that's going to do is if there's any disk damage, it'll find it and repair it. And those are little, you know, attributes and flags. (laughs) And she was so excited. And now she kind of, I mean, you know, like a little kid, but she kind of wants to learn the terminal now. So I pulled up the terminal. I was like, all right, hit CD. She's like, what are those? I was like, that's... That's all of your LS. Like, that's all your files and folders. And then CD, that's how you move to somewhere else. And, like, it's just funny because in the same way that smashing the screen on your chumby is a little bit of a project, mm-hmm. it's like it is like in, you know, it's kind of this retro thing of like, oh, my gosh, like, this looks really fun. And she loves coding at school. They... um. They uh, like like when we were watching Hidden Figures and they're talking about learning Fortran. I was like, Fortran is a really old way to program a computer. And she goes, Is that coding? I was like, Yeah, that's coding. She's like, I love love coding. (laughs) That's awesome. That really is cool. Well, you can get, I mean, there's Swift Playgrounds you can get on the iPad. And I think we talked about, yeah, yeah, of course we talked about this. Then there's the place where you can go, what's it called? Code for a day, code. What's that thing called? Where you can go and get the, the little coding projects.
0: I don't
1: know. Code. Oh, we talked about it. We can go and you can get like a Zootopia one or a. they have all these themed ones and like you learn to like do little loops and things. You learn how to say move, you know, over, uh, forward, right, forward, five, right, forward, five, and then turn right and all that kind of stuff. It's not so different from the, the program, the turtle. I yeah, imagine lo- logo. Logo. Yeah, I forget what it's called. Uh, somebody will remind us, but it's called code something. But it's really neat. If you want your kid to just noodle around and it works on an iPad. So you can go in and, uh, you know, go do your thing.
0: See, for a lot of people, Logo, back in, in, like, people who are our age, Logo was the first way that a lot of people learned how to how to program a computer or the concept of programming. And there, I think there's a lot of people who are listening who are like, what the heck are they talking about, Logo? But you had a little turtle, and you could give it directions, like move forward five spaces, turn left, Move forward five spaces, turn left, and like it would draw a little line. You could make it start or stop drawing the line. It introduced these basic programming procedural concepts of like um, mo- moving in different directions. It introduced looping. It introduced calculations so that you could have it make make like a star with 500 points on it just programmatically, little things like that. Right. It, it was exactly a, it. a wonderful learning tool, but like compared to what we have today, like with Swift and, and these, uh, these playgrounds and things like it's, Like you had to be super into computers as a kid to want to like move a little turtle, which was just a triangle really to make, to, to spend an hour to make that thing draw like a a cube on the screen.
1: Oh, it's, I mean, this was us. I've told you this one story. My first exposure to computers was a TI-99-4A and like we would spend an afternoon like being excited that we made the screen turn cyan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Right. We're sitting there with that little, like I think it was like a ring binder of like you know how to program your TI ninety nine four A. Listener Craig reminds us, thank you, Listener Craig. And sorry, relate today, Listener Craig. Um, Hour of Code is the place, and it's just code.org. And um, you know uh, this is not going to turn you into a uh, Dan Benjamin, but uh, you can go in and there's just some nice little little fun things that are that are imminently doable. They got Moana, they got Minecraft, they got the Star Wars.
0: Did the TI ninety nine 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 four A 994A- I, you know what? I'm just going to type in. Is that what the one had like the cartridge slot in the right hand side of it? I think it was cassette tapes. Or cassette ta- Is that what that was? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm seeing it now. Yeah. What was the Texas, was it the TI-99? Just the straight TI-99 that had the little, it was the tiny dinky little computer that just had the little, not chiclet keys, but like the bubble, bubble keys. I don't know what those things are called. Oh, I don't, I don't know. That was my time. And you plugged into my your time. TV.
1: Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But you know, uh, you just being having very limited exposure to early computers, you know, would be like, you know, weird son of a friend has made a dating app. Look at that. That's weird. That's the first one I ever the first computer I ever remember seeing in real life was when I was eight or 10. And I'm sure it was some kind of like, you know, this this would be, you know, in the middle late 70s. And, yeah, and he, he had written like a simple program that was like mean to you. It was like a mean dating app and he's really excited about it. <laughs> like asking questions. I think he's trying to make like a basic, you know, Eliza type thing. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, but the thing is that that's the thing about a hobbyist though, is that it's interesting to me uh, just to pivot a little bit to look at how popular drones have gotten now that you can get a drone and, you know, mostly figure out how to use it. And I think about my uncle um, who used to do, Remote control airplanes, which was a very technical and very expensive hobby. Like if you crash one of these things, it was a big, big deal because there were hundreds of dollars. I mean, you build an airplane. And put an engine in it and like you learn to fly it. And like the thing is though, that's remember that in the episode of the Simpsons where Milhouse has the remote control plane and like Bart's like, you know, what, you know, what's the point of this? Like, no, just slow and steady. That's, that's the fun. The fun of this is like not (laughs) crashing it. And I think that's for a lot of hobbyist projects. That's not unusual when you're a model train person, people are going to come in and go, uh, how is this train different from any other train? They're like, yeah, well I put this together and like, I picked the grass and I chose the little people and you know, painted the little houses I think that's an exciting part of being a hobbyist, but it is, I mean, it is to me kind of unimpeachably cool that like if you have even the slightest interest in picking this stuff up, well, I mean, hell, you can go into Vim type a couple things and like there's a tutorial built in, like wherever you go, like there's little ways to pick it up. And that's, that's so great, especially given that these devices are, you know, so much more ubiquitous. I imagine you can run Hour of Code on an iPhone. I don't know. I've never tried it, but we she's done tons of it on the iPad and loves it. They use those uh, Chromebooks at her school. Oh. I have never used a Chromebook, but uh, that's what they use at school.
0: I wish I'd get my son to code. All he wants to do is play the games where he's shooting everything. Yeah, that's pretty normal, don't you think? Honestly, I think if you had sat me down at age nine and said, you can either shoot everything or you can, like, move a turtle around, I would have Mm -hmm. shot everything.
1: Mm, That's a complicated question. No. Shoot everything or move a turtle around. No. I've moved some turtles around. Have a big time meal, Commodore um, Commodore
0: Pet. Was Commodore my, was my first Commodore one.
1: Pet. The Pet Scan, Commodore the
0: functional pet. MRI. It's the computer that has a built-in keyboard and tape cassette and uh, sort of goes up almost like a triangle, like a pyramid. Look at that! It looks like the Contemporary uh, Hotel a little bit. It, yes. I think the person maybe got their idea from one or the other, but uh, the great thing is, that, you know, I, I think I mentioned I'm watching the Americans. They have a Commodore PET in their office and their travel agency, and every time oh, that I wow. see it on screen, I'm like, yes, that's so cool. I wrote a I wrote a basic program to print my name until I hit uh, until I hit break, and then I wrote another one that uh, let me the print out a little Christmas tree with asterisks. Oh wow. Mhm. I was very into computers at that time and I think that thing came out in the late 70s. It's probably when Man. I was when I was first starting 80 something like that.
1: I love a hobbyist. <laughs> we should get going. We have two topics to talk about today. You have a topic, I have a topic. Um do you want to maybe tell me about something that you like?
0: Sure, I would love to tell you about fresh books. Fresh box. If You're into fresh books. I'm into fresh books. These guys they've got it all figured out. They've got it all figured. Out. If you're a freelancer, you, you want to know about FreshBooks. They make cloud accounting software and it's incredibly easy to use. It's incredibly fast. And it completely changes the way that you deal with paperwork. That's the thing. And anytime I can tell you this, it doesn't matter if you're if you're doing a little side job, side hustle, or mm, if you you're keep
1: your side hustle.
0: Or if you're like a full-time doing freelance, if you're a small, medium-sized business. The, the most tedious point is always, like, the invoicing, the accounting aspects, the paperwork aspects, and for a long time, FreshBooks has been has been up and running for, for a long time, way before they were ever a sponsor for 5 by 5 but there is an all-new version that they've been working on. It's rebuilt from the ground up, totally redesigned, and custom-built for the way that people have been using it. They didn't just say, we think you want this. They actually paid attention and said this is this is the parts of our software that people are using. We're going to make this even better. We're going to emf- we're going to focus on and emphasize these features in the software to make people more productive and that's what they did. They've got this cool projects feature so you can share files and messages with your clients, with your contractors, with your employees. They've got this notification center which is like their kind of their version of a personal assistant that knows what's changed in your business since you last logged in. What information is important and needs to be dealt with right away like an overdue invoice. All of this stuff is built in, and and it really is amazing. I use FreshBooks every single day, and I have for many, many years. Uh, Here's the deal. You can get a month-long unrestricted full trial. Go to freshbooks.com slash back to work and enter back to work in the how did you hear about us section. Doing that gets you the free unrestricted month, and it also supports the show. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful company. Great software. Couldn't live without it. FreshBooks.com slash back to work. Thanks, FreshBooks. Pock, pock. I give Fresh Books my two thumbs up official okidoki. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Just like <laughs> Colonel Potter, I'm going to give it my official okie dokie. Yeah.
0: Oh, I got, a, I got a, uh, a show recommendation real quick. Breaking news. Sneak it in. Mm. Slide, slide it under the door.
1: Sliding into your DMs like this gif of a TV show.
0: <laughs> there is a, a show on Netflix called The 80s. Have you seen um, yeah, this? Yeah,
1: it's got it's got Reagan
0: on the band. Don't let that stop you. Yeah. <clears throat> it oh yeah. Has, is, it,
1: is it like a six part
0: series? I think it is. Uh, a multi part uh series that shows well it kind of explores the eighties. I'm only on the first episode. Uh but it is I'm gonna see if I can put this in the show notes or not. But it is a wonderful, just as it starts out, uh, it just starts exploring the 80s through, initially through television. And it shows all of these little clips of of these shows that we all loved and watched. And like, it starts out with the whole who shot JR thing and all these things I'd completely forgotten about uh, <laughs> that right. from, from things that happened in the 1980s, it like shows and it talks about like MASH and the end of MASH and uh hill street blues and like all these shows that i remember watching when i was a kid that i've come that have been completely gone from my mind but it talks about like the impact that they had and how there were millions and millions of people who were like who shot jr like they wanted to know and it it, like that was big everyone talked about it and and you know we don't have things things move it just it gives you an appreciation for how how the times were so different back then all because the internet is why it's changed that you used to have something like who shot Jr." Like that, that was a big that, thing that, for summer. years. That
1: summer, that's all people talked about all summer.
0: Right, and like now a, a meme comes in and it lasts a, a few days, a week, two weeks, and then you can't, you can't even think about it or refer to it anymore. And it wasn't that way. Things like, like lasted and lasted and lasted. Anyway, a it's a high, highly recommended uh, show.
1: I'm going to piggyback on your pick with a meta pick if you go into show notes you'll see i'm using this here um it's kind of really hard to sometimes to link to detail pages at netflix and amazon prime and you often want to like you know send somebody something or put it in show notes for your podcast uh, this is not a perfect site but go go to a site called instawatcher.com and uh basically you can search for anything that's on uh amazon prime and netflix you get a page for it and then you can uh, you get something you can link to, to share with people. You can go directly to the Netflix page, or you can cue the series right from that page. I like this. I'm looking at it right now. Technology stack. Mm, mm, mm. Should be in notes.
0: There it is. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yep. yep. Yep, yep, Oh, and podcast too? Really? Hmm. Back to work. So it looks like the 80s was apparently by hmm. a... By CNN, maybe? Because it has a CNN logo on it? Oh, but, yeah, I think so. But it it's only on, like it's a on documentary Netflix. series, yeah? Yeah. The 80s yeah. sparked a revolution across all genres of television from sitcoms to dramas to trashy talk shows to MTV. The Tube would never be the same. But mm. wasn't that a turning point? Because people really started watching TV in the 80s. Like, we had TV. But it became a thing that people had on all the time in their homes. I just I remember like when I was a kid, my parents would always watch the the evening news and then TV be off. And then like if there was a TV show on, it's oh, well, that show is on at nine o'clock. TV goes on. You watch a show. TV's off like it was. It was a, the, the way you used a TV back then is the way you would use a drill or a power tool or something today. And I just gonna, or, or
1: the or the telephone. Yeah. You would go and like interact with the telephone and do telephone things and then go do something else
0: right it wasn't just like always there on right right
1: right yeah I, I bet there's a bunch of things I mean even if you didn't have cable or if you had especially if you had basic cable like there were more channels available there was like more stuff you could watch but also televisions got a lot cheaper and I remember when I went up to military school I had like a, a portable TV and you know more and more people were like having a TV in their kitchen and stuff like that where it would just you know just be on. Yeah, I think I agree with you. And, um, but it, it's also funny how, as we got saturated with channels, there was just more and more weird dross. Because by the mid 80s, then you were starting to see like infomercials where, like, used to be if you turn on the TV in the middle of the night, there'd either be nothing or like an old movie. And right. then increasingly that became like, you know, ads for Soloflex or the Thighmaster mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. But, but there is yeah. never, you
0: could, it would be impossible if you have cable, it would be impossible not to have something on and probably live at any given moment. I mean that's why the this uh, QVC QVC and the other channels like it, HSN Home Shopping Network, they're 24/7. There's people up there selling stuff. And a lot of people that watch it are people who are you know maybe they they don't they're, they're not asleep for one reason or another, but it becomes kind of the companionship in a way that these are live people who are on doing something at in the middle of the night.
1: Yeah, and especially if it was shot on video as opposed to film, um, it had a certain live urgency mm-hmm, to it. Mm-hmm. That used to always perplex me as a kid why, you know, Barney Miller and All in the Family, I would say those were shiny shows. Whereas something like Hill Street Blues was like a fuzzy show. Like, you know what I mean? I, I never understood the distinction between video, video shows, shows shot on video and shows shot on um, film. And then you get something like Faulty Towers where they or Monty Python where they had both where like all the inside stuff was on sets with video and then the stuff outside was all done with film. Yeah, like, and those, like
0: Benny Hill too had that.
1: Benny Hill, same thing. Yeah. I, English people don't mind mixing their film stocks. That's what made them great. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Uh, but, uh, I had a point and I forgot it. Uh, I should have more coffee. um, yeah, television, Solaflex, Thymester. Oh, so here's something I learned. Oh, The re- re- reason I was mentioning video and that feeling of urgency and, and live, you know, if you ever saw something live, you, you know, if, if something was shot on film, you, you understand the distinction I'm making, right? Like you can look at that and go, that looks really different. Oh, yeah. Something is shot on film. There's no way that's live. You would just just in terms of habituation, what we now know is film versus what we now know is video. Like you would never see something live on film because well, for obvious reasons that it doesn't make any sense. And and stuff that was on Video Felt Live. You know what I learned not long ago that kind of was weird to me? I, this is a very strange observation that only a few people will find interesting. Um, you know i'm a fan of uh, public media of all kinds i like public radio i like public tv Uh, i would frequently tune in to uh public tv when they're having a fundraiser fund drive because that's actually ironically enough when they would show things like faulty towers they would show like marathons of these really good shows cut them in with station breaks and say hey look you know if you want to support the work that we're doing at w whatever you know you can do this and you would have local celebrities and stuff like that and then um not too long ago on KQED, this is within the last like five or 10 years, I, I was watching one of these and I, I, there was something very strange about it. And it, it felt weird. And I finally figured out, and I've had this verified by people who work at KQED um, you can now purchase what I'm going to call generic fundraising footage for your station and what what you may never notice because it's so cannily put together is the only time the, the station is ever mentioned or shown in a logo is by something that's like cut in afterward. Really? But like they'll do a fun drive with these make believe people talking about the importance of supporting your local public television station. It's really, it's, it's jarring when you discover, it sounds really weird, but I found that so jarring. Cause I, then I started like obsessively watching these and going like, Oh, can I tell that you can't, obviously you can't tell what time of day this was shot. It could run at any time. But isn't that an interesting odd so thing? you are saying
0: that they're using the same like host and the same people sitting at the banks of phones or whatever behind them, like that. That's a, like stock footage that they can just run on and any like PBS? something
1: like stock footage. In, in the sense, I guess you probably license or rent or whatever. You buy these, like okay, here's the 2017 Fund Drive Fall Fund Drive package or whatever. Or in this case, on KQED now, uh, go support kqed.org. I'll put it in show notes. They're doing their one of their winter uh, fund drives right now. Very much worth supporting. But um, you can, uh, yeah, you can go and buy these like off the shelf. And unless you're really looking to notice, y- you know, obviously you're not going to see anybody local on there. You-, you can't tell anything about like what it's about. But then they'll do like a cutaway of some kind to say, to sort of identify it as being for a particular station. But nothing in the actual video that you're watching has anything to do with anything except the general idea of supporting public TV.
0: <laughs> I had no
1: idea. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I imagine, like we talked about the survival bucket on here, I imagine there's stuff you can buy at scale to like give away. There's probably like a whole package. You could probably get like a whole like turnkey membership solution. You know what I'm saying? Where that would include things like ordering and fulfillment of, of gifts. It's a very, to me, it's a very, whoever came up with that, that's a pretty brilliant idea if you really think about it. Plus now you're not using the resources of your own studio to do that. Anyway, crazy stuff. I had no K- idea. I feel like I w- I've been uh, hoodwinked. Yeah, I know. I know. KQD.org. Uh Adding it to show notes. And, you know, you can use your lady in the tube. I realize people know this, but it's worth just, you know, uh, your t- lady in the tube works with a really cool service called TuneIn. And if you've ever gone to TuneIn.com, yeah. TuneIn.com is what? I'm not sure what they would call it. I would call it a front end to mini, mini streaming radio stations and streaming services. So for example, I can say to my dingus, play KQED, play KPFA, play KLW." I can say play WBEZ and it'll start streaming that station through the lady in a tube. It's pretty cool. And it works for some, but not all podcasts. Like I put By Friday on here and like we appear somewhere, like we have a page, but you can't really hail us. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to mute the, the, the trigger word here, but I'm going to try something. Hang on one second. Play back to work.
0: Getting the latest episode of back to work. Here it is from TV. Nice.
1: Okay. Isn't that kind of cool? It's very cool. It doesn't work for all podcasts. I don't exactly understand it, but, uh, it's a pretty good way to go. Anyways gosh we're so far in and we have so much to talk about yeah good 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 to good dan
0: yeah you have a topic this week i had a, <clears throat> i had a topic idea yeah
1: do you mm. like it do you
0: like it i have a lot to say
1: uh i mean yeah okay i,
0: I just well i know well, you've why got you put me on the spot it's your topic. you got something good you got something good and i feel like mine are what makes you think it's good yeah i didn't oh, even tell nice. you what it was what is it i'm not telling you <laughs>
1: But you have a heavy topic I want to talk about before we get to my my uh, not as heavy topic, and uh, I'd like you to have the opportunity to talk about this because I think it's a very interesting idea that a lot of people will
0: be interested in. Would you frame? Would you frame your question for us? That's a, of course. Um, my my topic idea was a Dan's fear of failure and success, and how it led to several important missed opportunities. That's my my topic. So does it
1: have a happy ending?
0: No. Okay. Except that well, I mean well, I've learned I've learned I've learned from it and
1: some kind of role that fear of whatever has in uh, your thinking and decision making and what you're what you've realized about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, kind of.
0: Because I it occurred well it occurred to me that there were I feel like in everybody's life you have an you have a, a, an opportunity of some kind or another, maybe multiple if you're lucky, multiple opportunities where you can you can kind of grab it and say, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take the chance or take the risk or just try to do this thing. And maybe I will succeed. Maybe I will fail, but I don't care. I'm just going to give it all I got and try it. And if you don't do that, then I think you'll look back on it and say, I really, I should have done that thing. And you know what? Looking back, the fear that I had of failing, or in in other cases, the fear I had of succeeding, uh, I I shouldn't have let that stop me. And I don't know if that's a, just something I've struggled with or if that's common for other people as well, but a couple examples that stood out to me, uh, one a good one is back in the very early days before there was a, a WordPress, I had uh, written... Some software that essentially did the same thing as WordPress, and I'd really initially started it to for myself just to use to publish a couple different websites and some for clients and things like that and Matt Mullenweg, who created uh WordPress, was essentially doing the same thing, and we kind of knew in the periphery about each other and we'd communicated on and off about what each of us were building and I remember I put on HiveLogic, I put a little post up. I'm like, would any of you be interested in trying this out? And if I were to like launch it and let you host with it, would you pay any money to use it? Mm -hmm. And I had a thousand people and keep in mind, this isn't a thousand people in 2017. This is a thousand people in, I don't know, 2004 or whatever it was, you know, a long, long time ago. Just the idea that there were that many people following along with my website and took the time to reply that was back then huge and i had a thousand people who said yes you know yes i would i would pay now would they really pay who knows it's impossible to know what would have really happened but there was enough but still of i mean for the time that's
1: still that's that's a great amount of interest
0: right and it was enough to say i should finish this and release it and put it out there But especially at the time with all the anxiety issues and other things and doubts and fears, my fear wasn't, what if I put it out there and it sucks and nobody uses it? That was never my fear. My fear was, what if I put it out there and people love it and then they start using it and there's some kind of problem? How will I support this? What if… What if a server goes down? What if I get a, you know a phone call in the, in the night that I, and I have to go you know and do something? What, what if I can't go on vacation ever because I want to do this? What if I can't go out to eat with my friends? Because you know all these little imaginary stories that I created for myself, none of which were significant, but millions of reasons that I came up with of why I shouldn't release it, because of the support burden or whatever it would be. Uh, That it would put upon me and how unpleasant things would be if I was required to like, you know, roll back from a backup tape or something. And I made enough reasons and excuses for myself to to not ever launch the thing. And by the way, I I will say that feature for feature, it was better than what WordPress was at that time. Now, Wow. wow. I'm not kidding myself to think that it would have been WordPress. Yeah. Be, because there's no way to know. They had, but they had
1: such a big community too, didn't they?
0: At this time, they had nobody. I was ahead. I was all, all just Matt. Yeah, but here's the thing: I'm not kidding myself to think that. Well, if I had just come out with it first, and I'd be, I'd be like, you know, famous now and rich, whatever. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I have no idea what would have happened because I never did it. I might have been a. It might have been a huge success. It might have been the WordPress that we have now and better. Maybe I would have you know, done a million other things. I'll never know because I never did it, because I never was willing to face that fear of what if this thing becomes a success? I've never had the problem of what if it sucks? What if it fails? What if no one cares? I, I don't care about that. Because at least then, like, I have tried it. My fear has always been, what if it succeeds? What if a lot of people use it? Then the real pressure starts. And I feel like that's a hidden fear for a lot of people. A lot of people seem to be worried, though, what if it fails? I I also think there's that other fear of what if it succeeds? And there were a handful of, I don't need to tell all the stories, but there were two or three other kind of critical moments for me when i said you know what if i do this it could really be something and if i if i uh you know another and the other one i'll mention was i had started a business because i'm thinking about building pcs and hackintosh and everything else now um there was a time when i was running a business building machines for people and i got a number of contacts from people who are like I'm really into gaming, but I can't find a machine that will just ship with this graphics card and I don't want to have to like buy a, a gateway or whatever and install the graphics card myself. Could you just build that? And I I built it for a few people and it I noticed there was some momentum there and I got out of it. I'm like, no, I can't do this anymore. Why? Same reason. What if I send a computer to somebody and their hard drive dies? Now I've got to like support that. Like that's yeah, what now, if not your problem. Now it's my problem. I don't want that. I have enough problems you know i it never occurred to me that I could be like, Well, if I'm making so much money selling these things, I could like hire someone like that that kind of process never occurred to me, probably because I was you know twenty three years old or whatever, but like it just going down that kind of thinking was too much for me, and yeah. there is that fear of success that a lot of people have that they say, You know what I know I'm not ready for that level of success I'm not ready to 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 handle that, and I look back on some of those moments. Would my business have been the next Alienware? Probably not, but I don't know what it could have been. I don't know mm-hmm. because I never yeah. tried it. I could have failed horribly and said, What a terrible idea. I was told. Totally, you know,
1: yeah, but you still end up feeling bad about it.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, right? yeah, but this way I guarantee to feel bad about it if I don't do it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's a topic or not, but it's just—it's something that it's already
1: that, a topic. You're topicing it right
0: that, now. Uh, but I—I I, I don't know. I—I I feel like there is there is that we often talk about fear of failure. We don't talk enough about fear of of success.
1: Oh, can I take a whack at it? Yeah. Um, and of course, as as ever, this will be heav- heavily colored by my own kind of feelings and thinking about this. But I mean, from us, from my point of view, fear of failure. And fear of success, um, I mean, how are they really any different? How are they really any different than fear of anything that you can imagine, right? I mean, it's put differently. It's not fear of failure. It's not fear of success. It's terror about change. It's it's a feeling of getting a ruminative thought about how this can and probably will go wrong, Right. Like again, maybe not the best balance of like you know what's likely to happen or what are the true. It isn't like doing an actual like risk analysis study, right? right? Where you're actually going to sit down and try to do like a SWOT analysis or something like that to figure out like how valuable, let alone pros and cons. I mean, it, that's that's one of the dangers of having ideas bounce around in your head. I think, and you know, you should give me your reframe on this, or because I'm just giving you mine. Yeah. But my, mine is that those things are not different at all, and I think people. People try to thread the needle on this all the time by saying like, oh, you know, uh, fear of failure, fear of success, imposter syndrome, e d and there's all these names for all these different things. But I think the, na- the names all eventually, there's this kind of super class of uh, fear and anxiety about how things can change mm-hmm. tinged with or sort of colored by a negative feeling. And, you know, You might seem a little bit manic if you always assume that everything would turn out great, but it feels safe to assume that things are going to go wrong, and it feels you know. So, and but then the the other part where I was kind of just piggybacking with you is that then then plus there's the bad feeling about it, right? So then now you've got to go like, oh, could I have been the next Matt or or whatever? And now you're you're I'm not saying you're doing this, but like for me with similar things, well now. There's this one thing where I go, duh, like, why didn't I do that thing? Or why didn't I yeah, yeah. do that thing differently? And well, you know, on the one hand, like, you're only as good as you are at a given time. You, you know, think about, especially like when you're going through puberty and all the dumb stuff you do, and then you spend the rest of your life like going, oh God, I can't believe I wore those pants, or I can't believe I said this thing. Right. And like, there are all, I, I don't suffer from this as much as a lot of anxious people like me, but I know it's a very common thing to turn something over in your head about what you said or what you did. And for like weeks, months, years, I think Roderick does this, like something will go by, time passes, moves on. You're the only person in the world who not only is still thinking about this, you're the only person who can even remember this, but like it still gets to have an impression on how you feel right now. And isn't that an odd thing that we do that? Yeah. Right. But I think it's, I think it's totally real. And I'm by no means am I trying to dismiss what you're describing because I mean, they feel they can feel very different—the fear of uh, fear of success, fear of failure—but both of them are predicated. I think, I think that both of them are predicated on the idea that change can destroy me and probably will. Mm. And if I if I act on this in one way or another, no matter what this change will be, it's likely to be my undoing. I mean, isn't that yes. kind of yes. kind of the yes. feeling? Yes. Yeah, we're like you can you can catastrophize. A situation into like the worst possible outcome, and I you know i feel I feel kind of silly that I'm always turning it back to this, except this is the these are the kinds of things that I do. this is the way my mind works, so i I could be wrong, but I feel like simpatico with that. It's just that you know then, with you know the passage of time, you do other things, you're still not dead, believe it or not, but like you still can't get over this 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 one thing that you did that could be personal too. it could be that like there was this person that you really liked and you are pretty sure that they liked you and why didn't you ever ask them out or like, you know, right No, that's
0: it. That's what I hear all the time. When I talk to my friends about this, like, yeah, I should have asked that girl out in like 11th grade. What if she had said, no big deal or you, or maybe we'd be married now, you know, like, you know, but it's that, it's that it's not, it's not regret exactly, but mm-hmm. it connects to that in some way.
1: Well, it, okay. So I think when one understands why one didn't do it, that becomes regret. Mm-hmm. So, like for example, like oh, there's right. this there's this um, this uh, music label I liked a lot in the '90s called Elephant Six, and they put out bands like Apples and Stereo and Neutral Milk Hotel and all these really great bands. And like one night in like 1998 or so, there was this this show, and I used to go to shows all the time. This one night there was like a, a show at the Cow House in Tallahassee, mm-hmm. and it was like five of these bands that like either were or would become my favorite bands. And it's a show that everybody talked about. And I remember just being like, oh man, of all all the dumb shows I go to, why is this the one that I didn't go to? And I can tell you why probably. I was tired or I was in a bad mood or I didn't want to drink and drive Mm -hmm. or whatever it was. The thing is, I do have regret about that because I know I would have enjoyed it. I'm not ruminating about why I feel the way I feel now. Do you understand that yes, distinction? Yes. Whereas I think the troubling one for us is when you're a person in their 40s and you go why didn't I ask him or her out? You're really not sure why. And the answer kind of was well because that's who you were then. Mm-hmm. Like you weren't you weren't suited to that yet. You weren't ready for that yet. And maybe you were a total dingaling, but that dingaling was you and that's how it went and now it's over but you still you keep turning it over, you know? I mean is it that different from like why didn't I buy that lottery ticket? It's it's still this sense of like, you know, who knows how much the universe had changed
0: if the universe was different and it's like, well, <laughs> it's the universe bad. is
1: not different. You you are what you did and the uh, so anyway, respond.
0: Well, I mean, I ag- I agree with you. Um I agree with you uh, I- I- except in the one point that there's something subtly different about it it's it's different from I should have bought that lottery ticket on that day cuz I might have won for me in some of these things, because like I struggled with those decisions and with those feelings and made, you know, made that decision. And it's like the, the future me, which is the present me would want to go back and, and change that thing, you know, and there, I don't have a whole lot of things in my life where I say, if I had that quality that I had now, that I would have done something in a completely different way and not talking about knowledge. I'm just talking about like, I don't know, like, like I, I, I feel like if I had had a little bit of a better perspective on how to handle or address that kind of fear, like we talk about like that uh, back in the, one of those episodes where we were saying, you know, like I, I had that boss and the boss would send these emails that would cause me so much stress And, uh, and that finally what helped me deal with it was like, I was just, I'm just a guy sitting in a room at a computer. Like that's, that's Mm -hmm. what's actually happening right now. Nothing, nothing else is really happening that if I had had that kind of perspective that I could have said, you know what? Like, and then, then I started seeing lots of other people who had startups or whatever and bad things would happen. And I'd be like one of the customers or one of the users. And I'd be like, oh, they're having a problem. Okay. Well, no, they lost right. some data. That kind of sucks. But like, yeah, I'm still going to use it. You know, and, and that I was much, much kinder to those people and those companies than I had ever been to the hypothetical me as a hypothetical customer in that hypothetical situation.
1: Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Well, sure. I mean, how different is it from, you know, in some ways in in life as a consumer, there's the life you had before you were a waiter or busboy, and there's a the life you have after that. Where, like, it's, 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 and this is probably true for like a million different trades, but that's one I think a lot, a lot of people can sympathize with is like, you might grow up with a certain idea of what it means to, to work in a restaurant. But, like, once you have worked in a restaurant, first of all, you're probably more likely to leave a pretty good tip because you know how hard those people work. Exactly. And in some ways, you're tipping the, the past you when you do that in some ways. Now, of course, at the same time, you also know when the service is bad and you know that that excuse does not make any sense because that's not how a kitchen works. And so, it's funny how like that kind of insider knowledge, you know, uh, makes you more sympathetic in some ways to that kind of stuff. Um, I think that's all true. The other part of this, though, and I'm not saying this is you, but, you, you know, you brought up the topic. For me, here's the other thing. If we take it as red that like there, there's at least some similarities between these different fears, fear of success, fear of failure. And I, I really do think there is. Um, and then if we accept for the sake of argument that then there's the bad feeling that you have about that. I mean, it's, you know, you're not fretting about stuff that you think went mostly okay in life. Right. Like, you're not, you're not stressing over the hundreds of thousands of decisions that you've made over your whatever 52 years. You're not obsessing over all those things because most of them probably turned out mostly okay or neutral, or at least in your own personal narrative and your own story of yourself, you did the best you could. Yeah. I think the ones that stick in our craw. Certainly, they could be the lottery and Matt Mullenweg ones. Maybe it's the ones where you go like, "Hey, that that could have been me. I could have been a contender." My suspicion, though, for myself and possibly for others, uh, is that the real the the pain today is partly the not understanding why it went that way at the time, but really what gets you is this niggling feeling that that same series of mistakes, miscalculations, or Um, submitting to fear in the past still has a place in your life today. Mm -hmm. That's the things that bother us. I think the things that bother us are the here we go agains of life. And like knowing that out on the horizon, there's all of your little, your tapestry of personal failures that's being hand sewn by the entire universe all the time. Um, So again, just, I don't know if that's true for you. I think that's true for me. The things that I fret over are things that feel unresolved. Things that that are truly resolved what is there to feel bad about it's just that if it triggers is that the right word if it if it stimulates some part of you that still feels a little bit raw or mm-hmm. broken mm-hmm. that's 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 that makes it hard to get over right and I mean, isn't it also funny how as you get older and, you know, have different experiences, different people, different roles you have in life, the things that make you feel emotions change a lot. This kind of relates to what we talked about recently with inspiration for creative work, but right. it's it's funny how those things change over time. And, and why I said, for example, that, you know, when you go back and revisit movies or books, like, you may still find it sad, but you find it sad for a different reason. You find it funny, but you find it funny for a different reason. Or, you know, Perhaps not surprisingly for parents, you know, you might find it funny in like four different ways now. You find it funny to remember how you felt when you were a kid and read that. Now, then you remember like your eye rolling about it, how corny it was when you're a teenager. And now the mega mega truth of like what it means to be uh, a parent and a nominal grown up makes it really poignant. You know, I really feel like that's where Pixar's movies frequently hit it out of the park is how you can experience that movie simultaneously on so many different levels, and have them all be very effective. But that's my that's my gut check on it is that you know we're we're never any of us that far away from a bad feeling about something, and like sometimes something will pop up and then kind of won't go away, right? It's maybe a little like whack a mole, but like this thing keeps coming up, and it's like it might be interesting to explore. What it is about that thing that's bothering you now. Is it really just, do you really have the same feeling about it now that you did then? Or has it changed and like evolved a little bit Mm. and intensified a little bit? Because I don't know, that could be worth exploring. Because I think there's a pretty good chance that those kinds of things that dog us, and everybody has these, those kinds of things that dog us, I think tend to represent an avatar of failure that we feel like is is an ongoing theme in our lives.
0: Yeah, I definitely think there there the way that you explain the way that you kind of presented it, it's hard to look back on something and really put yourself in the perspective that you were in back then. You know, you always say, I did the best I could at the time.
1: Yeah, so always that sort of like if I knew then what I know now sort of thing.
0: Yeah. And I mean isn't that isn't
1: that part of it where you go like, Oh, well, you know, obviously the reason I feel bad about this is because I was a dingling and didn't know better. Right. Which is partly true, but I don't think that's the whole thing by a long shot. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is, this is gosh, this keys into so many things that I care a lot about. Um, you know, where to begin? I mean, things like resolutions, like New Year's resolutions, where it's like, you know, if you keep trying to, um, you keep trying to come up with this picture of you that's at odds with how you kind of naturally operate, how you typically think, how you habitually do if you try and like create this great golem of uh of desire about uh, how life should be based on this fantasy like that's never going to not be frustrating cuz that's not who you are cuz like you know you can either accept who you are and be a little bit more okay with how things go or you can just make that so much worse by saying all oh, the shoulda but didn'ts of life you know just really compound you know and if you're in the wrong state of mind that can be really crippling it mm-hmm. can be just such a terrible heavy weight to feel like, you know, you don't even give yourself a break for something you did five, 10, 20, 30 years ago. You know, that's, that's a horrible feeling.
0: Yeah, I guess, I mean, so what do you, what do you do? Do you just sort of release it meta, you know, metaphorically really, or what, what do you do?
1: I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. I suffer from it probably a hundred times worse than you. I mean, I, I think about stuff like that all the time. I, I imagine a lot of us, you know, do that. Um, I mean, I think there's things you can try to do. I mean, there's there's a, there's a kind of thinking that we do that's just sort of this ongoing rumble of thought that we're not really aware of. This is not so different, again, from Daniel Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast and Slow, these two kind of modes of thinking that we do. There's this first kind of thinking, which is like, if I say one plus one to you, it will be almost impossible for you to not think too, because that's how this first kind of thinking goes. It's very automatic and you're applying heuristics and you're doing all kinds of stuff all the time. Right. I think the emotional side of that is like, what is the constant emotional din in your head? Is there, is, is there, is there a din that you're just not noticing? Are there thoughts that greet you in the morning and, and laugh at you at night? And like the same thing keeps coming up about the dumb thing you said when you were 13 or whatever. Maybe not everybody, but I think people have a lot of flavors of that. Um, so that's one kind of thinking is like the stuff that just kind of rattles around. You may not even realize are sort of ruminative thoughts, but I think there's also kind of a more mindful thinking. I'm not talking specifically about meditation, but it's a way of maybe being a little slower and more analytical about what it is that you're thinking. And this is the thing I end up talking about two times a month on here of like being able to have this idea and hold it in your hand and yeah. turn it around. And stop seeing it as this, you know, as the sum of all of your body, soul, and emotions. Right. And instead, saying like, "This is just a thing. Like, I'm the I'm the sky, and this is the weather, and I'm just going to look at this for a while." But you know, again, that, that's all kind of corny. But I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's worth giving it a throw. Um, yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I don't. I don't really. I mean, I don't really have a, a great answer to that. And one of the things I always end up saying that seems like such a cop out maybe it is but like you always always have the chance like every minute of the day there is an opportunity that you have that takes probably a little bit less effort than you think but a lot more mindfulness than you think which is to stop being so much of a dick with yourself like you know if it you know maybe ask yourself like is this something i really need to be thinking right now is this you know this sounds crazy but like when you get into a certain mode of thinking you may be able to eventually observe yourself being kind of a shitty thinker and going like, oh, this again, right? And I think just even being aware of that as a start and I think finding a way to try and have a little more lightness about things. I got to remind myself about this at least once or twice a day is to have a little bit more lightness about it, maybe combined with a a little bit of analytic stuff. But I mean, there's stuff where I know I've really screwed up. I mean, everybody has those kinds of things. But, you know, it's... Think here, another way to do this, uh, and you, you make it easy for me because you are kind of maybe not expressly like asking for advice, but you know, one, one, one interesting exercise is like if, if, you, if somebody you really cared about and liked was going through what you're going through right now, what would you say to them?
0: Mm.
1: And really think about that. Like, act like you're somebody that you like for once. Right. And say, like, what would I, what would I say to that person? And like, one of the first things I would say is, like, that sounds terrible. That sounds terrible, right. but maybe it's not as bad as you think it is. And like, why don't you give yourself a little bit of a break? <laughs> why don't you go for a walk? Why don't you have a, have a Coke? <laughs> like, <laughs> but that's, to me, like you almost have to learn to treat yourself as this big, ungainly bag of meat that occasionally needs, needs a brain to remember that it has a brain. And I, I mean, that's not going to be any kind of, I'm, I'm not saying this is like a, a huge solution, but it can be surprisingly invigorating to go, you know, I don't have to feel this way. I don't have to keep beating myself up every time I have this one idea. And as far as, I mean, strictly to the point about fear of success and failure, the, the, the somewhat controversial thing I'll say is like sometimes fear of uh, success, fear of failure, sometimes those are both really good things. Like if, if it makes you, if fear of success makes you more reasonable about the scope of your project and understanding the resources you'll need to allocate to that i think that's really smart now i don't know if that's fear or if that's just being smart but i think you know you talk about just being a guy in a room which is true except that like if you're not careful you might be a guy in a room who's really freaking out about having to get a server back up on a sunday morning right and so like you know i think it's worth walking through that but then you know, uh, this, is, this will actually come up a little bit in, in my segment. You know, give yourself give yourself a little trigger phrase like, okay, and then what happens? You know, I, now I sound like a Maria Bamford bit, but like, okay, so you're worried about the server crashing. Okay, then what happens? Like, what do you do to to mitigate that? What do you do to risk assess that and then mitigate the potential for that, you know, being a bad thing? Can you outsource that? Could you do less of this at first? Could you go back and double check the resource usage on these things? I don't know. I'm not a programmer, but like, there is. If there is something that can be changed, there's usually a rational basis for figuring out what that change could be. What can never change from rationality, or especially from irrationality? What can never change though is like if you're if you are turning into a broken record of failure, like that's very difficult to stop because that does really compound. I I feel bad that it kinda comes back to these topics every week, but like I think these are why
0: well, why do you feel bad?
1: Um, I feel like it being repetitious and like not being very creative in topics, and probably revealing too much about how my own mind works. <laughs> but I think this—I think this stuff is real, and I think that it's um, it's it's all it's shameful and it's uh self-involved. But like, I think these are all like like real things. Sometimes you know, it's sometimes it's, it is a little painful when you see people who seem clearly extremely successful, who clearly made good decisions to go oh I've got imposter syndrome and sometimes that feels like my friend uh, the friend I used to sit in front of me in chemistry class and she'd always go oh I know I got an F on that I'm like you've never got an F on anything you maybe got an <laughs> A minus maybe you know you got an A on this like you are so not allowed to feel bad about this when I might actually get an F when you see people like that it feels very unsympathetic but you know that, that could be um, managing expectations but I think we all you know have those hang-ups you know, but I guess the only thing I would... only thing. That's a generous way to put it. The thing that I would say to you is like, if you feel like they're that, those ruminating on those past fears of success and failure, if that still is niggling at you, yeah. it's worth prodding around about whether that's something you think you still suck at. Because it probably is. I know it's true for me.
0: Oh, you know? oh, interesting. So you're... Yes. Well,
1: okay. So let's go back to the, our example. Like, let's say you're in let's make it really hard. Let's say you're in the eighth grade and you're very attracted to somebody and you're pretty sure they're attracted to you. They ask if they can sit next to you in the cafeteria and stuff like that. And you sit on your hands and neither of you does anything about it. And it goes by. Is that the greatest romantic tragedy in the world? Not really. But I have feelings. Oh, I have very strong feelings about those days. Woo, boy, do I have strong feelings. But if you have that strong feeling about those days and it still feels very new and real, that's a good point to say, okay, so is there something about that memory and the the memory of that pain, the memory of that regret? Like, is there some kind of little Proust thing that I might need to look into a little bit here? Because if I'm having that feeling like, okay, so why am I still thinking about that? Like, I must be thinking about that because there's something related to this that's on my horizon right now that I'm not thinking about or I'm avoiding thinking about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and I, I, especially if you're doing mostly your own thing like god what is there not to worry about you know it's like there's, there's all kinds of places yeah, for there's that there's a million things yeah and, and you know so I, so I don't know and I'm not I don't mean to be like probing you but I think that's one way to think about it what are the um so when you think back so hmm, how do I put this so when you think about like oh should I have made this uh CMS this blogging engine like do you do you, like legitimately? Are you legitimately bronchial? Are you genuinely like regretful that you didn't do that, or yeah, is it more definitely?
0: definitely. You're
1: definitely. legitimately really not okay. not
0: the computer thing, but I think it would have given me if if I had succeeded or failed, it would have given me more confidence about just putting something out there. Very much in the way I've done with Fireside. I feel like I would have done a Fireside much earlier. Uh, And it's not like I'm saying, man, if I had done that, I'd be like on a yacht right now instead of doing this podcast. It's not that. It's more what could I have learned from that experience of putting something out there and succeeding or failing as opposed to putting nothing out there at all?
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's difficult if as long as we're taking this to a somewhat logical conclusion, uh, if you're ruminating on what, if you're thinking about remembering and feeling feelings about something you didn't do or you did differently than you wish, right? If you're, if you're thinking back to like, the, let's call it regret of saying, so the feeling, you've, the basic feeling one feels today might be called regret, which is I regret that I let my fear of success or my feel, fear of failure keep me from doing X. Um, then I think, you kind of if if you really ruminate on that there's another part of this that's hard to avoid which is the the second order fantasizing that you do about how it would have been different like if i had just kind of had the stones to do this thing this one way this one time everything would have been different not you know maybe i guess for different people you feel variously strongly or not strongly about that but like like you're describing here like what would have been different okay so so you, you, didn't, you didn't make WordPress before WordPress. So what's different? And you kind of can't help, whether, you know, obviously you're like you're saying, you're not talking about retiring on a yacht. Right. But you kind of can't help but go like, ah, uh, then I, you know, for me, so many of those come back to a meta point, which is if I had been courageous earlier, I would have been courageous longer. And it doesn't matter what it's about, mm-hmm. because there's never a time, rare, there's rarely a time when intelligent courageousness is not going to come in handy. And boy, I sure would have loved to have even five more years of that. And that, but I'll, and I'll tell you again, let's go to the big point as I sit here, it still terrifies me today.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it terrifies me that I'm not more courageous. Does, I mean, yeah. I don't know. No, I, I, I hear that. <sighs> Life's weird. It is weird. APFS coming to the
0: iPhone. A- APFS?
1: the uh, Apple um, file system dingus. Oh really? Yeah. I mean, will we notice? Ten point three beta has it. I'm gonna hold off. Yeah, I would. I don't do the
0: betas at all.
1: You can also find your uh, your AirPods with it. Yeah, I'm gonna hold
0: off on that one. Are you? Do you have the air, the airs the AirPods? No, no. Nice.
1: I still haven't put Sierra on my machine. I'm. Not I'm not breaking out on anything. Yeah, it's gonna break my cherry pie. I just know it. That video is still still holds up. Mm, cherry dot pie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I watched it. I watched it just the other day. Still, still as good as it was. What does she? What does she do? She makes a grown man cry. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, that's not nice. <laughs> no, I mean it was different. You know, I'm thinking about the '80s stuff. It was different. Uh, I think that might have been '90s. It was different back then. Things were not. Not as good. Oh
1: no! Oh no! No no no! Oh no! No no! The bar, different bar.
0: Like I feel like the seventies were still. I was a kid, just a little kid in the seventies, but I still feel like the seventies were cool. Eighties, nineties, two thousands. I got nothing that good happened then. Till you get into like late two thousand time period, then then things started turning around. Yeah. Throw away the whole 90s. I don't care. <laughs> Clothes sucked. Everything sucked. it, Keep it. Keep it. No, keep I don't want it. It. I keep don't, the whole thing. Don't show it to me. Yeah. My 80s steal my is, sunshine. Not that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was a good one. That was a shining, yeah. shining point with her little hair and little twists.
1: Little twists. L-A-T-E-R, little, L-A-T-E-R that week. Horns. Whatever you call them. Horns. Shed corns. What do you call? What do you call those things? These little we, we had to look it up one time. I'm going to call
0: them twiddly bits. Yeah. 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 Why
1: don't you tell me about uh, a second thing that
0: you like? I will. I'll tell you about Squarespace, which I, I happen to know is something that we both like. Uh, I
1: use the, as they say in the business, I use the bejesus out of that. <laughs> do
0: you, what, do you, what do you use it for?
1: I've used it for years. And um, <laughs> I, I use it for hosting podcasts. I use it for hosting website stuff. Like, you got stuff and you need to put it somewhere. You need to get you a Squarespace.
0: Yeah. Uh, Squarespace lets you create beautiful websites. They're gorgeous. They look amazing. They work great. And you don't need to know any HTML or CSS or anything to make these gorgeous websites. They have so many templates there. You basically go and you look at their gallery and you say, you know what? Okay, yeah, I I I want to use this one. And then you just start tweaking the little the little sliders and knobs and things, and make the site your own. You can start with the same template as someone else and wind up with a completely different site. The way that it works, it, it becomes your own thing. And Squarespace is consistently delivering... This kind of quality They're they're putting people Like Merlin and I What we used to do For a living Designing other people's websites They're putting us out of business There's no reason To do that anymore
1: Thank God Put yeah. me out
0: of that business Seriously it was, it, But they have come in And changed the whole game And we've talked about it Before on this show uh, Merlin You've got to say Is it merlinm.com The place to go To see your One of your Squarespace sites Is that still uh,
1: Oh God Don't go look at any of mine They're pretty, they're pretty disused You can go to Roderickontheline.com Which uh, handily Um Rewrites to the a Squarespace site that I have. I use that most Mondays, and uh, it's just it's drop dead easy. You can, um, you
0: can you can make beautiful sites. Like I know someone that uh, they just they got married. He waited. He waited till he was like forty to get married. It's fine. Whatever you want to do, I don't care. Yeah. Who am I to judge? I don't care. <laughs> no, nope. wait, wait to find love and happiness. Doesn't matter when it comes. That's when you go for it. And they got married, and they built a whole beautiful website. And I was looking at, it, I'm like, "Wow! Like they must, like <laughs> they must have really spent a lot of money on this thing." And uh, and it turns out it's a Squarespace site, and that just shows you you can do pretty much anything. They got built in e-commerce. They got uh, they got built in shipping if you're selling stuff. I mean, it's it's a great it's a great thing. So you go to Square. They they made a special discount for our listeners. Squarespace.com and use the code. It's your show. You'll get 10 percent off your first purchase and show support for our program. And as Merlin always says, yeah. even if it's not something that you're doing right now, think about your friends, think about your uh, your family or your clients or other people who might need a yes. site. I was in yes. the, the coffee shop not that long ago, and I was hearing these people talking about, ah, oh, we can't make a website. It's going to cost us so much money. And I, I, uh, I was thinking, there's still a lot of people who don't know about Squarespace. As much as I feel like we've been talking about it for years, there's people who just, who have no idea. So, uh, squarespace.com, it's your show, 10% off your first purchase.
1: Prick up your ears. You can help somebody with Squarespace. Nice. Prick them. Yeah. Thanks, Squarespace. Bok bok Been light on the bell today. I know you have. Mmm, light on the bell. Yep. Mmm. Uh, you know, I can keep mine short. It need not be long. Okay. Uh, I like your topic. That was good. Thanks hmm ty lambo on my mind knowledge it's all about knowledge he reads a book a day i don't believe that yeah well he'll tell you why in his video he explains why he reads a book every day that's why i needed to have all those bookshelves put into his garage with his lambo he also seems to have a whiteboard in the background you know i have to be honest with you i um you know what i can't get into it but i, I was just uh, searching for ty lambo and apparently there's a lot of videos that are uh well how does one say People, uh, some people, some people, it is said that uh, some people think there may not be extreme value in his program.
0: Yes, I have. Heard, I've heard things like that. Yeah. I don't know if that's accurate. I don't know. I don't know. I
1: don't know if anything's accurate. All I know is there's knowledge. <laughs> I'm not sure why. Topic. My, toli- my My topic <laughs> is knowledge. I'm not here to talk about my Lambo. I want to bring up something I haven't talked about in a super long time. Something I've started doing again. Um, I want to talk about morning pages. Okay. Um, so uh, there's this book called The Artist's Way. You might have heard about this. I just I Yeah, I'm already underselling this because you had such a great heavy topic, and now I'm got got this like fairly trivial thing. So I feel kind of you know, feel like kind of a dork. I'm already regretting this. See what mm. I did there? Um, <laughs> there's this thing called morning pages, and uh, so this book, The Artist's Way, eh, it's, a, it's a it's a good book. You know, it's one of those books that's, uh, with all respect to Julia Cameron, it's an okay book, but it's got two really, really good ideas in it. One of which has basically spawned its own, like, little sub industry. One of her ideas, uh, what's it called, Artist Dates, like, Take Yourself to Places. But her big her big idea that I think has really endured and probably launched a thousand uh, life hacks blogs is something she calls Morning Pages. And I'll read you what it says on her webpage, which you can find a uh, link to in show notes Morning Pages are three pages of longhand stream of consciousness writing done first thing in the morning. There is no wrong way to do morning pages. They're not high art. They're not even writing. They are about anything and everything that crosses your mind. And they're for your eyes only. Morning pages provoke... Clarify, comfort, cajole, prioritize, and synchronize the day at hand. Do not overthink morning pages. That's the most important Mm. sentence in here. Do not overthink morning pages. Just put three pages of anything on the page and then do three more pages tomorrow. Julia Cameron talking about morning pages. And so um, I've started doing these again. I used to do these and I started doing them again. And I wanted to talk about that a little bit and uh, why I'm doing it or like what I'm getting out of it. Um, Is that all right? Yeah, I would love this. Yeah, so I've been doing this. I don't know what made me want to do it. I've been going through kind of a notebook thing lately, going through another one of my notebook phases, and um, which is ironic given that to do this thing well, you probably want to do this on the junkiest paper you can find and then throw it away. But this is such a, a, a difficult and useful and risky and interesting thing to do. You get up, you do the absolute minimum of stuff that you can stand to do, before you sit down or stand up to write three longhand pages. Now, you know, I, I'm not saying that you have to be a martinet about this. Like I'm doing it in a notebook that's smaller than an eight and a half by 11 page. But um, it is really, it is super interesting to do. And like any kind of sort of um, stream of consciousness writing, it is, all, it is very surprising what ends up coming out of it. So like, what is this not? Well, this is not working on a book. This is not journaling in the usual sense of the word. It's it's an exercise in f- making, I'm going to use this phrase that I try to use advisedly. Um, it's an exercise in making yourself keep putting pencil to page for as long as it takes to fill those three pages. Now, you know, risk number one, oh my God, what a pain to even start this. Risk number two, it takes a while to do this. There are many days where I don't get to the third page because I just have to go do other stuff. Right, right. But I've been trying to do it every day. And when I do it, it's one of those things like taking a walk, working out, doing whatever. Like it, it is surprising what happens when you do this. So in my case, okay, so I just sit down. You can, I mean, I really would counsel you to not go buy a notebook to do this. Really, three sheets of filler, filler paper would be fine. Like really, really crappy paper because you're not going to show this to anybody. This is not for anybody else. This is for your brain. So on the one hand, like you start out going, Oh, I have to get up and do my writing. Well, it's not really writing. I mean, in some ways, it's closer to like washing your face, or taking out the trash. Like you don't get a medal for taking out the trash. No one hands you a trophy for washing your face. I mean, if you're over three years old, Uh that's not how it works. You do it because it's what you do. And if you want to think about it as your morning ablutions or your, uh, you know, your ways to to kind of tidy yourself up. It's a very interesting way to start the day. So for myself, I sit down and start writing and I'll, I don't have any like stock way to start this. I'll just start writing. And, like anybody else who tries to write something down the entire time, your mind is going like, "Oh, and there's no way I could do this. there's no way I could write three pages or I could poop out three pages of whatever, but trust me to at least you know try this one time, uh listener, which is that once you start doing this it's um i won't say it's easier than it looks, but it's real different than it looks because if you allow yourself to just write down whatever is on your mind, there's always, if you're open to that, there's always going to be something on your mind. And so for me, it's sometimes I'll just go, hey, it's Tuesday morning and here's a thing I have to do today. And boy, I'm really feeling this certain way. Or, uh, I watched this show last night. Remember, this is not for you, right? This is for me and my brain. It doesn't need to be good. It doesn't need to be anything. It doesn't need to be even that legible unless that helps you. But I find it so fascinating because I'm I guess a phenomenon that uh, a little bit of spoiler here, but a phenomenon a lot of people record is like you get a certain amount of fatigue doing this because it could take you half an hour to do this, let's be honest. Um, but by the time you get like partway into the second page, you're kind of like, Ugh, okay, I talked about my feelings and mentioned my project, and now what? But that's the exercise. The exercise is you keep doing it. And a funny thing happens, which is by the time you get halfway through the third page, you may now be three times more surprised by what you actually had to say that you didn't know you had to say. So like I say, whatever comes out, comes out. What could those things be? It could be what you're thinking right now. It could be how you feel right now. It could be writing down that you have nothing to say right now. But I mean, I have I, I do find it such an interesting exercise. It hasn't like had a vast difference or like it's not vastly changing my life, but it does add a little bit of structure. It is, I don't always find the time to do it the way I want. But I am enjoying doing it, and I am often surprised by what comes out. And uh, I I just think it's worth
0: giving a try. I have two. um, Does this connect in some way with like the the CBT journaling kind of thing, or not? Not really. I don't think so.
1: CBT, uh, the way I understand it, C cognitive behavioral therapy. That kind of journaling, I think, is a little more usually a little more formal Mm -hmm. in the sense that I think there's a classic three column table in most, I I could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the way, CBT, obviously very useful thing, and that's where you could say that, like, basically, you know, um, a certain thing happened, you felt a certain way, and you describe what that thing is, did you feel angry, did you feel anxious, did you feel scared, did you feel, you know, all the, as we say, the seven dwarfs of bad emotions, like, what was the feeling that you felt, and then the key part becomes, well, that's a key part too. But the other part then is like with CBT journaling, like you will write down then like, okay, and so what is your basis for that connection between this happening and that feeling? And the more you do that, the more you become aware of the fact that you, you may be filling in a lot of the ex- existential details about why you feel the way you do whenever a certain kind of thing happens. I think is how that works. And that's, I think usually used alongside therapy. Yeah. So there's workbooks for this that you can get. You can get the book. What's it called? It's called feeling good. Is a pretty good layperson's introduction. Feeling good, the new mood therapy. I'll put that in notes. But this is very, very different. I mean, like, this is one of those things where it's like, it's a game with so few rules that it may not even be fun to play because really, it is really just about keeping in motion. And the thing that I will say it is similar to is the 10 minute writing exercises of, um <laughs> I almost said Natalie Merchant. <laughs> Natalie. Um, <laughs> What's her name? Writing Down the Bones. I'm typing. I'm typing. Um, Natalie Goldberg. I'll put that in notes too. That's a great book too. I mean, Writing Down the Bones, I think it has very much some of the same elements of this, but I I do think that can be a little bit more structured. Morning Pages is kind of supposed to be a mess. It's supposed to be just a big barf of whatever. And the thing is, like I say, once you get going with it, you're like, hey, you know, I actually do have stuff that was on my mind I didn't know about. So I'm going to give you a couple prompts that I have found useful while I'm doing this or little tricks for myself that are working. And I have to say that one thing is when I'm doing this, when I'm doing the morning pages, one thing I try to stay very open to is like feelings that I'm feeling, like especially if they're weird or bad or odd feelings. I'll frequently write down I'm feeling really X right now or something like that. But I also I will. This could just be me, but I will try to be, I will try to find positive things in in what I'm doing or thinking. And I do that in a couple ways. I mean, one is that like, I'll catch myself as I'm writing. And if I pause for a second, this is so corny. I'll write down something that I'm excited about, or I'll write down something that I'm grateful about. And I'll say like, here's the thing that I'm doing that I think is actually not going too bad. Like, that's pretty good. This is a thing that's mostly like running pretty well. And that's really good. Like, I like this podcast that I do with Dan. I look forward to doing that. Whatever you write down, that kind of thing. Finding ways to be grateful. Like, this, this does not have to be meta meditation. Right. Like, this does not have to be like a loving kind. You could just have two sentences about like, I'm really glad that like we have food. Like, you could, I mean, that sounds dumb, but your version of that, finding places to be grateful and write it down. Can be a really nice thing, is that positive thinking? Maybe I think it 's just gratitude. gratitude is is not something that we should feel is some kind of social obligation to make us seem nice. Gratitude is a way of being able to realistically appreciate you know what what life has given you for now because they do go away. so be grateful of those things. Write those down and here 's my practical one what 's the phrase I use for this? I only, I only ever write it. Sometimes I'll go into this real long series of sentences about a bunch of stuff that I'm working on or that I'm thinking about. And so, so in addition, sometimes if I'm pausing for a second to wonder what I'll write next, I'll do something about gratitude. Another one that I'll do sometimes is what I'm calling the also theirs. Yeah. <laughs> and this has been really useful for me because, like, when you're writing the also writing very, theirs, the also there's, and this is a really good transition, a little stake in the ground that will int- almost instantly produce. Some kind of constellation of nouns, so I could be typing in and I might say something like also there's painting the bedroom, painting the bedroom, I really want to paint the bedroom, what would I want to do about that? I might write a sentence about that also there's dinner like this is how dumb this is it's like also there's dinner like i've got to think about what i 'm going to make for dinner tonight because it's my night to make dinner also also there's talking to Dan about you know, the show notes for this da 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 also there's if you write down also there's um. comma, and then start writing like you you don't need any you don't need to have a paragraph of transition to explain that you feel bad about moving to this other topic this is stream of consciousness it, you know when if a novel starts to come out a novel can start to come out one thing that came out this morning was you know what i think i might want to talk about this on the show and i started writing about it a little bit and then uh apropos like like out of nothing like where's some of my other ones i'm not going to read this to you because that's total garbage but uh Oh, yeah, but, like, you know, uh, feeling unsure what comes next. Uh, Once you write a sentence, uh, find it hard. But, like, your brain's allowed to just dump whatever, and, God, what a gift to, like, give yourself the opportunity to just go all over a page. So, like, you know, here's the other tip. Like I said, if you want to just grab some printer paper, or, like, I I would say this doesn't even deserve a Snoopy notebook. Like, if you just grab three sheets of paper and you're writing implement of choice, do not buy a new one, buy one that's nearby, You know what you can do? Like when you're done with that, you can wad that up and throw it in the fireplace. This is nothing to save, right? Any more than you would save toilet paper or Q-tips. This is just, this needs to feel so, not just inexpensive, this needs to feel cheap. This needs to feel like something that is not for posterity and you never want to worry about anybody seeing it. So anyway, I want to toss out the idea of morning pages. You can go out and learn lots about it. There's lots of terrible blog posts about it, but you can get the basic idea pretty quickly. Um, And I think it's worth trying. It's worth, it's worth trying it, but I think part of the exercise or the challenge, as we say on Dubai by Friday, part of the challenge is continuing to do it when it's difficult and becoming aware of why it's difficult because that's interesting too. But, uh, and you know, maybe you don't have half an hour, maybe you can't fill three pages, but find out what's interesting about not being able to do it because that's
0: instructive too. And the train right on cue.
1: Right on cue. Mm. Yeah. Insta classic, done. One for the books. That's why we don't do two shows uh, a night. mm will do Mm-mm. it. You want to come for the eleven o'clock show? Go to a different show. Uh, let's see: Netflix, KQED. Oh, I got that. I put I put the video in show notes. The the chopped up uh Ambo video. Oh, good. That's the show notes if you want to look at that. All right. Show Dan, notes. And, um, show notes. As we wrap up, <laughs> you're way ahead of me. <laughs> oh, Dan, Dan. Dan uh in as much as you're uh, capable or obligated or interested if you're interested, would you please tell our listeners where they can find show notes for episode three zero eight of your back to work program? Ah, uh,
0: yes, they can go to five by five dot t v slash b as in the brethren two as in the number w as in whatsapp slash three zero eight
1: <sighs> episode three zero eight
0: yes. when does the fork
1: go on the sat
0: yes. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. Saw a trailer for him in um, in that upcoming uh, reboot of the Going in Style movie, which looks pretty interesting. Oh, really? You see that? No. Remember, do you remember Going in Style? It was that movie with what? Walter Matthau, George Burns, and somebody else about the three old guys who robbed the bank? Was that George new, Burns in that? I think George Burns was in that, yes. Okay. And I, uh, the reboot of that, you got, uh, you got Morgan Freeman, <laughs> Michael Caine, and... Ed Harris, not Ed Harris um, Alan Arkin. Oh, Alan Arkin is he the one from Glengarry? Am yeah, yeah. thinking of him? Yeah, wait thinking. a
0: minute. Yeah, I yeah. Alan Arkin's face. Yes, Alan Arkin. Yes. Uh, more, yes, 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 yes.
1: Yeah, and they're like three retirees who hang out together, and then something, something, financial bank stuff, and they're going to go rob the bank that's screwing them. Saw that in the uh, trailers before uh, Hidden Figures. My daughter <gasps> loved Hidden Figures. Hidden, and I thought, oh, hidden figures. Hidden figures. It has multiple meanings. Um,
0: pretty good movie. Is that the one with the tree? It's like yes. I am Tr- tree, of, tree of life. Tree.
1: Oh, the I am Groot one. That's that's not Big F uh, di- uh, Giant. Yeah, not not BFG. Not BFG. It's uh no no. No, no. It's uh the other other one. Uh that's the one about the uh African-American ladies who worked for NASA in uh, 1961. It's real it was pretty good. Pretty pretty good. Took a lot of liberties with what actually happened in the story, but but it was all mostly true. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, one of these ladies. Oh man, they didn't get treated so good back then. No. Very good. I've heard good things hey. about that one. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Oh, no, this is crazy. Are you ready for this? Yes. Going in style, the 2007, this is, this is crazy. The 2017 movie Going in Style that I just referenced is directed by the same guy who made Hidden Figures, turns out. Really? Theodore Theodore Melfi. Dr. Melfi. Dr. Melfi. Mm-hmm.
0: Really? Yeah. This is real. That's true. That's weird how those things.
1: Yeah, I don't like when that happens. Work out that way. Yeah. It's like I always say, when does the fork go on the set? I'm going to have to really explore what it is that we said that made, made the uh, dingus hear that. Yeah. All right. I think we've done some good work this week, Dan. <laughs> okay. Yeah, me a too. A lot of people out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's button this up.
0: All I right. love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.